Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we're going to talk about Zelensky and the political parties because a whole bunch of people asked about it after that last video. Uh, I would like to point out I don't watch Tucker Carlson. I had no idea that was at the beginning of the seg uh, segment. Um, okay, so we'll go through it. If you don't know what happened, Zelensky and the National Security Council in Ukraine suspended 11 political parties in Ukraine. Um, that is being presented in a bunch of different ways in Western media, and we're going to run through a couple of them. The first take is that he did this so he could maintain power in the next election, which is possibly the worst political take I've ever heard in my life. This assumes that there's going to be another election, which means Ukraine wins. I'm fairly certain the person who led Ukraine through grinding the Russian Empire to a halt and, you know, preserving the country is probably kind of a shoe-in for getting reelected. That's a horrible take. Um, the next is that it's Zelensky banning all the left-wing parties. That's just objectively false. That, that's just, that's not true. That isn't what happened. This isn't something that can be framed on left and right, uh, because there is no consistency there. If there's no consistency, that's probably not the motive. It's worth noting that most of these parties are small. Um, the only real big one is the opposition party for life, right? That's the only big one. It's, they're, they're not left-wing. So that kind of throws that whole theory out the window. There's only one unifying metric with all of these parties, and that is that in the past they have expressed uh, pro-Russian sympathies. That's the unifying history of them, um, which is also why Zelensky and the National Security Council said they were banning them. That kind of matches up. Now, it's worth noting that I know at least one of these parties denounced the Russian invasion, like as soon as it happened. But they do have a pro-Russian history. Uh, that big one, the opposition party for life, the, the one that actually matters, the main figure in that is an oligarch who is loyal to Moscow, who has a daughter, who has a godfather, who uh, is named, uh, what's his name, uh, Vladimir Putin. I mean, yeah, that seems like a pretty significant tie. Um, it, it's also worth noting that that same political figure was uh, arrested for treason, I think, right before the war, and was on house arrest. But as soon as the Russian invasion started, disappeared, took off. Yeah, I mean, that seems like it would be a concern. Now, um, the next part in this is the, the obvious question, you know. This is what Zelensky did. The implication that, that has been put out there is that these parties were somehow collaborationist with, with Russia. You know, maybe they're feeding them information. Maybe they were going to agree to be the puppet government. We don't know. The idea is that at least elements within these parties were engaging in activities that were favorable to their opposition forces. 
and in response, Zelensky banned those political parties. Do I think that's the right move? No. No, I don't. Assuming that there's some kind of evidence to, to back up the, these assertions, I don't think that's the right move. I think the right move is imprisoning them. Willing to bet that didn't go where you thought it was going to go. Um, yeah. Let's not be naive here for a second. They're at war. There is death raining from the sky. Every day there is footage of people being pulled out from underneath rubble. If you have a concern about people passing on information or working with the opposition or agreeing to be their puppet government in different cities, if the Russians take them, um, then, I mean, yeah, it seems like you would want to get those people out of circulation so they can't continue to harm your country. I mean, that seems easy. Seems like common sense. Um, but I know somebody right now is going, but Bo, what about freedom of speech and the Constitution? Sure. I mean, but let's go back and think about what the people who wrote the Constitution did to their political opposition when they had foreign troops in their soil. They drugged them out of their homes naked, burned their houses down, and covered them with tar. And I know, that was a long time ago. The United States would certainly not do that now. What did the U.S. do the last time it was under actual threat of having foreign troops on its home soil? It interned people. Not based on any political party that they belonged to. Not based on anything they had a choice in. Just based on color. But I know, that was a long time ago too. We wouldn't do that today. We're, we're more civilized, right? Are we? Or have we just gotten better at it? Because I'm pretty sure we probably just send undercover agents into mosques. Like we did. Stop being naive. It's a war. It's a war. Wars are bad. Bad things happen. I had somebody send me a message that said... Uh, they understand why I'm using this framing device and bringing it back to the U.S. constantly, but that it's not working, um, that I need to be more clear about what I'm saying. So when y'all make comments down below, I can click on your little picture, and I can read the comments that you've put out in the past, and I've noticed a very interesting trend. Most, not all, but most of those who uh, are very concerned about some of these activities in Ukraine. They're the people that two years ago or a year ago were uh, talking about the glorious revolution, saying they were ready for civil war and when the time comes and all of that stuff. Take a good, hard look at Ukraine because that's what it would be like, only worse. Because it's not like there would be a shortage of arms or ammunition in the United States. Maybe it's time to drop that rhetoric. We're getting to see it firsthand. And because of the location of this country, we're actually getting a pretty clear picture of it. War is bad. It is dirty. It is nasty. It is ugly. It is cruel. It, it's not 
your ragtag group of friends marching in step like some 80s movie off to glory. It is slaughter. It is horrible. Maybe it's a good idea to back off that rhetoric. Maybe it's a good idea to stop uh, elevating people to political offices who pose with guns because they're the type of people who can bring this about. Maybe it's time to take a step back. You're getting a, a clear view of it. This is what it would be like, only worse, because every country on the planet would be flooding this country with arms. Because it's not about right and wrong, it's about power that goes for every country. And there's nothing better for the power of other nations than for the world superpower to rip itself apart. Understand that if you are one of those who is calling to restore the Republic or for the glorious revolution or whatever nonsense you're talking about that requires violence, you don't love this country because that's what happens to it. I don't think it's a good idea to continue the idea of American exceptionalism and pretend that this stuff is just something that would only happen over there. Because it wouldn't. Everything that Ukraine has done, the United States would do in its situation. Only worse. Much worse. They have been pretty restrained in their responses. I think it's important to note that. So, yeah, I think we need to hold a mirror up to ourselves. Every time there's some story of the day that is uh, trying to suggest that what's happening there is just not something that would happen anywhere else, and we need to be really concerned and outraged about that. We need to remember that, oh, we would absolutely do it in almost every case that I've seen so far, we already have. Refusing to face the reality of this, refusing to acknowledge that this is what it's like. This isn't an anomaly. This isn't because it's Eastern Europe. It's not because the, the Russians are barbaric. This is just what it is. And normally we don't get to see it. We get a very sanitized view of it back here. But this is different because it's in Europe. It's different. So we see all of it. We, we need to acknowledge it. And we need to understand we don't want to go there. And all of the tough guy rhetoric, all of the, the posturing, talking about wanting to take America back, nothing was taken from you. But if you continue that rhetoric, something will be, because it's going to look like over there. If there's one good thing that can come out of what's happening in Ukraine for the United States, it's that we acknowledge this. And we acknowledge that we are much closer to looking like that than we may really want to admit. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.